is good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero, and with me, as always, on a Thursday, the human wet blanket, Levin Black. Hi, Levin. <laughs> Sticking with that intro, I see. It's good. Uh, yeah, good. A little <laughs> awkward to hear somebody say hi to me in that way. I know. That's why I do it. I, I like to. I like to get you off on the wrong foot immediately. I was gonna say you're trying to put me uh, put me off, and that's normally my role to you. See, so I'm switching it up on you. Um, Before we get rolling, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you take the time to leave a review, we will read it on the show. I like this one from VA 49ers Fan 1. Subject defense, five stars, all around five star. You guys are my morning coffee. I call the defense tenacious D and every interception is the pick of destiny. Again, great shows. Keep it up. That's very well done. I have to say. Uh, you know what my morning coffee is? Coffee? Coffee. Because if I don't have coffee within like the first 20 minutes of being awake, I start getting a headache. Imagine Levin cranky. Well, I'm cranky regardless. I hate waking up. I am definitely like cranky and agitated at any time when I wake up. Beats the alternative. Yeah, not waking up. <laughs> Can't be cranky if you're dead. That's right. Uh, we are going to pick a winner. We've been running a contest to name the 49ers defense. That's been sort of my kind of mission so far this season. We've got a bunch of suggestions. Thank you to everybody that suggested one. I've actually decided to give the power to Levin. So he will be the, the sorting hat of the 49ers nickname defenses on the episode right before we go. Gryffindor! But to be clear, if it doesn't stick and something else ends up grabbing on, uh, we're still blaming Rob. That's fine, but you'll still get your shirt. So that's, you know, you'll still get your homage shirt, which if you don't win the contest, you can still go to their website. We have a link right in the description of the podcast. It'll bring you right to all their 49ers stuff. It is awesome. They have hooked us up. They make us look good. The shirts are comfortable. You should definitely go and check out what they have to offer. They even make you look good, Levin. The thing I like is they're one of a kind. They're not just, you know, normal stuff that you're going to find on NFL.com. They're one of a kind. They're real designs that they create my shirts are the best ones i'm just gonna say like Uh i clearly size small ones yeah size small (laughs) you think this body is an accident come on now um it's kind of a weird week levin we don't have like drama in 49ers land usually the way the pod goes is we discuss the drama then we take a break and then we break down the game there's no drama (laughs) for the 49ers and that to me is like one measuring stick of a really good win is that nobody's talking about the 49ers this week because there's nothing to say. They boat race the Carolina Panthers, and that's it. Like, there's not, there's no interesting meat to chew on there, which is exactly where you want to be if you're a football team. Whereas for the Panthers, all hell is broken loose. Right. Coach is gone. Baker's injured. You're looking at P.J. Walker starting. There is definitely a big-time rebuild going on for Carolina right after the 49ers. Like, it's clear from uh, what their statements were that, they're just going to fully rebuild. Like whatever coach comes in, it's going to be coming in with kind of the Kyle Shanahan situation. Come in and rebuild from scratch. You got a blank slate. That's how you know you really kicked the tar out of a team. I think they fired their defensive coordinator too. Yeah, they did too. Yeah. Uh, Which and I saw. It's odd. Well, apparently he not? was very loyal to rules. So maybe he was like, if he's out, I'm out kind of a thing. But I saw, I think it was Florio tweeted, Steve Wilkes is the interim head coach in Carolina. Is that a promotion or a punishment? <laughs> Uh, it's got to be, I mean, it can't be a bad thing, put it that way. Right. I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's technically a promotion. You can call it a promotion. I don't think so. It's temporary. If it's temporary, it's not a real promotion. 
but it's certainly a huge opportunity for him. So right, but maybe just, a bad thing. I think it was just you know a joke about the state of the okay. franchise and the organization. Uh, but we are done with the Panthers. We are finished with them. We are on to the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, listening to the shows all week, as I do, as I put them together, there seems to be a couple of overriding storylines for the 49ers this week. The first is Jimmy Garoppolo. And I have to say, Levin, I liked what I saw last week. He had 10 passes that were 10 or more yards past the line of scrimmage in one game. He goes weeks without doing that sometime. He had the beautiful throw in the bucket to Tevin Coleman when he got crushed by a defender. He was throwing the ball deep down the field. He had the back shoulder to Ayuk that Ayuk missed. I don't know what it is. This is just Jimmy Garoppolo in don't give a f- mode, but it's working. I do think there's been a change. That first start was so craptastic. I think both Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo had to kind of look in the mirror and make some adjustments. Uh, Kyle's using the shotgun, which Jimmy has said in the past that he likes passing from the shotgun more because he doesn't have to turn his back to the defense. Gives him that extra, you know, half second to a second to look at the defense and read it quicker. And so we've seen more in shotgun in the last two weeks. And then Jimmy, you know, his accuracy is down, but his efficiency and actual results of the offense is way up because I think he has made a little bit of adjustment. He's decided I'm going to let it rip every so often to keep the defense honest. And that is what everybody's been calling for from him. For like, how long? <laughs> you don't need a 67%. Like completing the pass isn't always the best result. You might complete a pass for zero to one yards because you dumped it off. Whereas you could bomb it deep and take a chance. And that's a better result because even if it's not complete, it's unlikely to be intercepted as long as you're not bombing it deep over the middle. And you're affecting the defense. The safeties have to then respect that deep pass. And we have seen him be less accurate overall in terms of completion percentage, but be more effective in the last two weeks. And it was phenomenal to see. Like, I was like, is this, is this really happening? And, and at both times, I felt like it came when there was a little bit of pressure on him. He right. knew where to go with the ball. It was like, okay, there's pressure. Here's my read. Bam. I'll chuck it there. And one time it worked out with Tevin Coleman. It didn't work out with Brandon Ayuk, but I thought it was still a really good throw, and it wasn't a risky throw. should have worked out. Ayuk, it would have been a difficult catch, but he could have played it. He could have turned a little bit quicker. I agree. And if he wants to be, you know, a number one guy, you got to make that catch. But all in all, I was very impressed with Jimmy, and you actually – reminded me of something Joe Staley said on KMBR because he said he thought the 49ers made two adjustments, one in the running game, one in the passing game. In the passing game, he brought up the exact thing that you saw. He said they're going in the shotgun with Jimmy. They're going empty, which basically forces the defense to kind of declare what they're going to do. And it really gives Jimmy a very clear picture of where to go with the ball. Right, and that that's not Kyle's bread and butter, but that's what his quarterback. And Kyle, I think, finally seen the light in, I don't need to stubbornly stick to my system. I can work within a slightly different uh, parameter that's better for my quarterback. Did you catch the comment during the game? I think it came with like four and a half minutes left, 436, I think, in the fourth quarter. Ian Eagle said that Garoppolo told them that he and Shanahan are now speaking the same language and that their relationship has taken a big step. Now, it's crazy to me that 
we're in year six and they're just now speaking the same language. But maybe that goes into the stew of what we're talking about. Maybe it's all part of why it looked so much different and so much better last week. This is a do or die season in a big way for Jimmy. Not quite the same way for Kyle, but it is like his last chance with this setup, with the setup that they've had the last three, four years. So why keep stubbornly doing the same thing over and over again that has not worked? You got to make some changes. And maybe Jimmy's finally kind of opened up more, been willing to go to Kyle and say, hey, I like these things. I don't like these things. How can we find some common ground? You know, has Jimmy been doing that? Or has Jimmy been more like, sure, whatever you say? We don't know. But something has changed in that relationship because we, we've heard about it from that. And, you know, we talked about last week that those production meetings is where you get the most honesty out of coaches and players. Yep. Hundred percent, and I just thought that was fascinating. And uh, I like how you said. I think it was four minutes and thirty six seconds. Like you haven't been tweeting about it and mentioning it multiple times. And no, for a fact, it's four minutes and thirty six seconds. You know what it was? <laughs> I I do like if you ask me real quick and I responded without thinking, I would say that. But then I was like, wait, was it really four minutes and thirty six seconds? I don't want to say that it is. So like, yeah, I know. I was like, it's about, and then gave an exact time. I am aware. I'm just trying not to give bad information. The other thing they did, Levin, and I know you had to be thinking of me when it happened. You know what I'm going to say. Go ahead. Yeah, tell the people. Fourth and fourth. Yes, they did. It was fourth and three at the Carolina 43-yard line. It was a one-score game, 17-9, 49ers in the third quarter. Like, one-score game. Here it is, fourth and three, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, God. Kyle's going to punt this. It's, he's going to keep it a one-score game. And we're going to be white knuckling this thing. And instead, what happened? He went for it. Didn't even complete the pass. But guess what? They got a cheap pass interference flag. I didn't even really mm -hmm. think it was pass yeah, interference. Was but but that's part of the reason why you go for it. They get the cheap flag. And then the next play, Jimmy chucks a little check down pass to Juwan Jennings, who breaks the tackle, goes 32 yeah. yards. They eventually score. And all of a sudden, it's 24-9 Niners. And the game is over. And I loved it because they didn't wait for the game circumstance to shift in their favor. They took control of the game against an inferior team, stuck it down their throat, and ended it. All I'll say is uh, celebrate that one, but don't rejoice as if uh, this is the new norm. You know, I'll believe it when he does it again. Because Kyle, like I said, has been on record. And this was a few years ago, but I remember him saying something around these lines that he he decides whether to go for it based on like his feel throughout the game and whether yeah. or not he's confident in his offense and things like that. So it could have just been in that situation. He was looking at it like I know the play call. It's gonna be. It's definitely gonna work. I'm very confident this was gonna work. Or he was very confident there's no way Baker Mayfield was gonna do something against this defense. You know, so it could just be a one off. I certainly hope not, but can't quite rejoice till we see it again. I don't know why he did it, and I wish they asked him because I would. Love right. What hear. changed? Because if this is the new norm, the question now is what guy did you change your mind after five plus years? Right. And I'm so glad it worked because I hope that it encourages him to go for it more. I loved it. It made such a difference in the game. And that's part of the reason why they blew the Panthers out because they didn't punt it. They didn't give up. They kept going. They scored a touchdown on that drive. They scored a touchdown on the following drive. Actually, in the second half, they went touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown. That's a hell of an adjustment by the offense. I mean, it was nice to see, frankly. But uh, 
that was some a big change I liked. And then the other change that Joe Staley mentioned on KMBR was he thought they shifted along the offensive line. Basically, what he said was instead of trying to stick with the outside stretch zone, they did that kind of toss action in the backfield where they would toss it to the running back, but then the running back would cut back and run up the middle. And according to Joe Staley, that suits the offensive line that they have more. Staley said they're more of an inline, get these guys moving, take advantage of the linebackers overplaying kind of offensive line. And that's why the running game has been so successful lately. So those are couple of nice adjustments that maybe now that we're, you know, five games into the season, Kyle has a better idea of how teams are playing him, and now he knows how to attack it. It certainly seems that way. It was nice to see. They weren't trying to get the edge, basically, is what that means. They're not trying to get the edge. They're trying to get to the edge and then cut it back inside. Uh, and that, that definitely worked this past game. And we'll see how that works if Jeff Wilson keeps running it like that. Uh, or whether or not defense is just a back the other way and don't get over aggressive. And if Kyle has to change it back to being more trying to get the edge like they have been, it's something he's probably going to see over the first quarter and then make adjustments as the game goes and how the defense is playing. Right. And that's fine because that's one thing Kyle's coaches do really good at figuring out how you're going to attack him and then knowing exactly how to punish you for doing that thing. And so if they start to overplay the, you know, or if they start to, not go to the outside. Those will just be actual toss plays and the running game will move that way. And it's great to see. It makes it's a night and day difference in this offense when they can move the ball on the ground. And I also liked when they did give the ball to Debo on the ground, it wasn't like a handoff. It was like they originally started using him on the ground in 2019 on sort of the reverses and things like that because you really got him out in space, usually with a lead blocker. I think last week it was Kittle who was out in front of him. And I loved it because it's an effective way to use him on the ground, but it's different than just handing him the ball in the backfield, which as we have seen this year, mostly has not worked. Yeah, basically, if he's in the backfield pre-snap, the defense is crashing because <laughs> they know what to run to him. So you can't keep running that. That's been squashed. Defenses saw it in the offseason and adjusted. It's nice to see the 49ers with some adjustments of their own. It's a mark of a good coaching staff. Maybe it didn't happen as quickly as we all would have hoped, but clearly it has happened, and hopefully they stick with it this week against the Falcons. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive more into this Falcons matchup. Levin has some points he wants to make about it, and we still have to pick the winner of the 49ers defense nickname contest. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin. Atlanta Falcons. 1 p.m. Eastern time, start time. This is like my wheelhouse, baby. Start this game up at 1 Eastern. I'll do the pod afterwards. I'll have the whole thing edited and put out for everybody. It'll be on YouTube, and it'll, I'll be done with everything by like 10, 11 o'clock at night. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> it's a uh, uh, plus and minus for me. Plus is uh game will end not in the middle of my shift where I'm driving home, 4 o'clock start. If I'm working daylights, I'm trying to race home during halftime. Uh, so I'll be able to finish this game before I have to leave. Downside is uh, no instant reacts again for me. People were calling for you last week. I'm just going to point that out. There were many, many comments of where's Levin. It's like, I'm trying to you know, bear my soul here after a huge win. And all I see on the side is where's Levin. That didn't make me feel <laughs> great. But hopefully we're all celebrating another win again. And it's a game the 49ers should win. Although I have to point out, this is not going to be like the Panthers game. The Panthers, I feel like, gave up. They closed up shop once the 49ers got up by multiple scores. 
That is not who the Falcons have been this year. In fact, they have any game that they have lost, they have come back big time. Opening week, they were down 26-10 to the Saints. They came all the way back and almost won that game. They were down 21 to Tampa Bay, came back to win that game, and might have won if it wasn't for that horrible roughing the passer penalty in that game. They were down 28-3 to in the, against the Rams. They came almost all the way back in that game. They are plucky. They are not going to give up, so the Niners are going to have to keep the pedal to the metal in this one. They're one of those weird, bad teams in that they dominate in the run game. That's where that's where they've dominated. You know, passing, they're only the 30th best passing offense. Running, they're third best. So they are been able to run. You know, Cordell Patterson uh, got hurt, but he was averaging almost six yards a carry. The guys that came in behind him are averaging nearly five yards a carry, both of them. And guess what? This is... There's a good reason for it, and this is the number one storyline that I haven't seen out there and should be the storyline. This is two very similar offenses. Arthur Smith is under that Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. He never worked under Kyle Shanahan, but he worked under Matt LaFleur in Tennessee and then immediately after that became the offensive coordinator when LaFleur left for the Packers. He runs a very similar, especially running game, to what the Niners run. And that, I think, is, you know, that was a big storyline against Minnesota. You know, when they were talking about the Kevin O'Connell, he runs similar to Shanahan. Well, I haven't heard it this week, and it should be. This is a very similar running game, and that's why they're third in the league rushing and why, despite being a bad team, they've been able to keep games close. Because if you can run, you can shorten the game. And that is a big difference. The the, uh, the Falcons have, have had one of the fewest number of drives in the entire league. I think they have like 52 drives this year, which is well below average because they've made for short games and short games tend to stay closer. And this is not the week where you want the entire starting defensive line (laughs) to not be practicing, which was the case on Wednesday. It's just absurd. So you've got the four starting defensive linemen not practicing. Aziz Alshire didn't practice. Jimmy Ward didn't practice. Emmanuel Mosley didn't practice. That's seven starters for the 49ers not practicing. There's only 11 guys on defense. <laughs> like It is amazing to me that they are this banged up on that side of the ball, and yet I'm not totally freaking out about the defense this weekend because I know Warner is still going to be out there. Talanoa Hufanga is still going to be out there. Like they have solid players and solid backups to where it's not going to be like a Brian Allen situation. Well, I mean, it's it's a game where even if you lose both your edge rushers, which both neither one of them practiced, you know, we know that the interior defensive line, you're almost definitely not getting either one of them back. Uh, But the edge rushers are both up in the air. Even if you don't have them, it's not as big of a deal because this isn't a game where you have to get after the quarterback. This is a game where you have to be able to stop the run. If you stop the Falcons from running, Mariota is not going to do anything. You know, they're averaging almost as many rushing yards a game as passing yards. Like their passing game has been <laughs> really inefficient. So if you can stop their run game, get them into third and longs, they're not, their receiving core is not good enough. I don't think, even with Mosley out, to beat this secondary. You know, even with Pitts in there, the Niners have Warner. So he he's a good, he's as good of a counter to a dominant tight end as you're going to get in the league. So I just don't trust the Falcons to be able to convert on third and long. And if you can get that and then get the lead, well, then the Falcons are forced 
to start trying to pass. And I just don't see them being able to do that. So that's why, despite being down potentially the entire starting defensive line, it's not as big of a worry. That's a weird thing to say. Uh, but you're right about Warner and Pitts. And by the way, they haven't been thrown to Kyle Pitts that much anyway so far this year for whatever reason. You know, he only has 10 catches on 22 targets. Yes, I'm aware oh, of that. He's on my fantasy team. and I know no one cares, <laughs> but that's how I am aware of that very thing. I have Kittle, so I'm aware of what's Kittle doing. Yeah, well, that, and you know, that was another Two thing. biggest disappointments and tight end. We didn't talk about that. Well, we should because isn't it funny? All the stuff we've been talking about and complaining about with the 49ers suddenly got addressed. Last week, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball deep, throwing the ball outside the numbers, going for it on fourth down. And George Kittle, George Kittle, George Kittle. That's all we heard all week long. First pass of the game. Who does it go to? George Kittle. Second pass of the game. Who does it go to? George Kittle. Four targets on the first two possessions, six targets in the game, although none after halftime. Um, But like it just showed when they want to get the ball to somebody, they can. So that's why I like never buy their excuse when they say like, oh, well, we would have done it if this or that. No, if they want to do it, they can and they will. Right. And it, it's a weird thing because Kyle's very much in the I'm not going to force the ball to somebody. I'm going to run the offense and whoever's open, get the ball to him. Whereas a lot of your top teams in terms of offense and Andy Reid does this as much as anybody in Kansas City. He says, this is my best weapon. I'm doing whatever I can to get him the ball. Mm hmm. He did it with Tyreek Hill. He's done it with Travis Kelsey. That's his philosophy. Get, Do whatever I can to get it in my best player's hands. And Kyle has a completely different philosophy, and it's kind of weird because I don't necessarily agree. Right. Like, there are ways to put your best player in a position to attack the defense where they are weakest. And that's what Andy Reid does. And that's what Kyle can do if he chooses to do it. But you're right. I think he kind of takes a more sort of organic approach but I think he needs to change his thinking. I mean, shit, Levin, Travis Kelsey almost had as many touchdown catches last week in one game as George Kittle has in an entire season. Travis Kelsey had four, four touchdown yeah. catches. The most touchdowns George Kittle has ever had in a season is six. Like, what the hell? We can do better than that. We can. We'll see if they do. I'm I'm not convinced Shannon's going to change. I mean, he, he I'm sure if he was going to change, he would have done it by now. So then why is he like throwing these little teases at us? I think it was more Kittle was probably frustrated with the lack of targets, not getting involved. He's back from injury. He wants to get his blood going, you know, get pumped. And so he made it a, a point to get him the ball because it got Kittle going, jump-started Kittle. You know, and I think that's the difference. And that's he might do thing. it to get a player who's struggling a confidence boost. That's a real thing, too. Like, I know he Kittle talks about how much he likes to block, and I'm sure he does, but, like, he also probably wants to catch the damn ball and truck a couple people, too. Like, so I, I think you're right. I think that is a real thing. It was nice to see. I hope they keep it going. There's literally no reason to stop it. And I think that the Niners' offense is going to have to pick up the slack for the next couple of weeks. Like, you saw early in the year, the offense is struggling, but the defense is just choking people out. Now, all these guys are hurt on defense. I think the offense, you know, I had been saying 20 was the magic number for this team. Like, if they had scored 20, they should win. Now, I think probably that number is a little higher. I think they probably have to get to 24, 28 if they want to win. Well, the good news is they're playing one of the worst defenses in the league. Yes, they are. I mean, I talked about how they're shortening games. Despite shortening games, this is the 27th best defense in the league by yards, which is how they rank them. 
so it, it's a defense that they're going to be able to move the ball or they better be able to move the ball. And furthermore, they're one of the worst in terms of scoring percentage, which is a stat I've grown to love in the last couple of years because pro football reference started putting it on there to where it's easily trackable. And I, I love it. So they, they track now for both offense and defense, the scoring percentage, meaning the percentage of drives that end up in points one way or another. And this Falcons team is giving up points 46% of the time. <laughs> Jeez. So if you do the math on that, the Niners are averaging 11 drives a game. And 46% of the time, the Falcons give up points. So even if five out of 11, which is a little less than 46%, they only get field goals. All field goals on those five drives. That's 15 points. The Niners have only given up more than 15 points once this season. So there's not really a big excuse for losing this game. Except Robbie Gold may not play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're looking at a Sam Sloman situation. How comfortable do you Who? feel there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I have but, no idea how comfortable. To, I mean, I'm not comfortable because it's a kicker that was available. Put it that way. But here's the thing. I have not been impressed with the Niners kicking operation so far this year. They've had a couple of kicks blocked. It seems like almost every kick that's not blocked is like a hair away from getting blocked. Somebody seems to come in from the damn left side like every time. And the kickoff coverage was horrible last week. The only reason the Panthers scored 15 points is because the damn kickoff coverage kept letting them get the ball at the 50. Their defense is actually even better than it looks because they had to defend short fields multiple times because of the kickoff coverage. Isn't that what we were supposed to have fixed at this point? It is weird. I mean, why is a team that's so sound on offense and defense and has such a deep roster struggle on special teams? I mean, if you have a deep roster, that should mean that you probably have a better special teams, right? You would think. I wonder, and I'm just throwing this out there. I have no idea, but... I wonder, the Niners do use a good bit of starters. Like Jimmy Ward was in on kickoff coverage. That's how he got hurt. Are, do they spend so much time concentrating on their starting positions that then they mess up? I would love to see that. Break, you know, I've never, I, I don't know special teams very well. I'm not going to be capable of breaking down who was supposed to be doing what on a kickoff coverage. But is it the starters not quite being in the right spot? And thus, you could make the argument that maybe don't, use so many starters in special teams coverage units because they're so worried about their starting game that they have so much more to prepare for that they're making mistakes in the special teams because that's obviously not as important as covering a guy when they off when the opposing offense is running you know well it is if you let him get the ball at the 50 though i mean i can't remember the guy's name but i know the returner for the panthers had four returns for 200 yards <laughs> like that that's how you lose Games that you should win. It's kind of that like, no, nah, I don't want to say hidden yardage because it's it's right there for everybody to see. But it's the overlooked stuff like that that potentially sets Atlanta up to where they don't have to put together 8, 10, 12 paid play drives to go and put up points. You snuff that out, make them start at the 20, make them go the whole way. And even though I don't think it's going to be easy, I think it is a game that the 49ers should win. If they don't win, I mean, it's not a good sign with the schedule that's coming. They need to be four and two. Like huge, huge difference, I would say, between four and two and three and three. There, oh, there's yeah. room for error in four and two. There's no room for error at three and three. I feel like if you're four and two, you could split the next two games against Kansas City and the Rams and feel fine going into the bye. You feel absolutely fine. Five and three. Great. 
you know, off to a fine start. You're going to get, you know, hopefully some reinforcements back. Maybe Trent Williams, if he's not back before then. Elijah Mitchell should hopefully be coming back pretty soon after that. Like, you feel okay if you go into the bye week at five and three. But if you lose this week because you're looking past the Falcons because you're staring at the Chiefs, right, and you're gearing up for that Super Bowl rematch and Patrick Mahomes, then you really put yourself in a bad position. Then you put yourself where like, you feel like you've got to beat both of those teams. And I don't necessarily know that the 49ers will. Put it this way, if they can split those two games after winning this Atlanta game, they're guaranteed to go into the bye week with at least a share of the division lead. Right. So it's huge. Going into that bye week, you're in the division lead. Instead of going into that bye week, crap, we just lost to the Rams. We're down a game in the division. We're only uh, four and four, so we're not even looking great for for a wild card. Huge, huge difference there. And of course, I mean, this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you've got to lose one of these next three, you, of course, take the Kansas City game. If they don't beat Kansas City, yeah, it's, you know, obviously it's never fun to lose, but that's an AFC game. You beat the right. Falcons, you beat the Rams, you would be 4-0 and in the division. You'd be 5-1 and in the conference. So you'd have a nice division lead. You'd have a great conference record in terms of any tiebreakers that could come up down the line. Hell, you don't know. Maybe you'll be competing for a number one seed. I know the Eagles are undefeated, but that could turn very, very easily. You would be in a great position at your bye week, a position I think that if you pulled Kyle Shanahan aside before the year started and said, here are all the injuries you're going to have, and here's what your record is going to be at the bye week, I think he would have signed for that. (laughs) Yeah, well... He would sign up for the record. Certainly wouldn't sign up for all those dang injuries. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I, I really, really wish the injuries had an easy explanation or somewhere to blame. But there's literally nothing to blame. It's different players now. And they already did an overall of the training staff. So it, it, you just can't find a thing to – that's the reason. You know, right. And that makes it all the more frustrating. And I talked about this. Uh, I put a video out on Instagram and TikTok talking about the injuries and people came at me and they wanted it. Everybody wants it to be one thing. Oh, it's because we play so hard. It's like, okay, other teams play hard too. Like I, I, I get what you're saying. Like a lot of the Niners guys are physical, but like, no, it's not a little league anymore. Right. Like, and it's probably not just one thing. It's a, probably a combination of, the Niners' physical style, the injury history of the guys they have on the roster. I know Kyle Shannon has talked a lot about playing games on turf, which he doesn't like and players don't like. Okay, that's fine. But it's probably a bunch of little things. It's just the fact that they have not been able to even mitigate this at all in the entire Shanahan-Lynch tenure. That's the upsetting part. It's like like we keep saying, they can't even be the 10th most injured team or the 12th most injured team. They're always in the top six, always. And it's always really important people. Right. Like, I don't know the numbers for sure, but I know that it is for sure a majority that Kyle Shanahan has been playing without his number one running back, at least projected number one running back from the preseason, because Jarek McKinnon has two full seasons worth of (laughs) Zero games. So that right there makes it nearly half. And then you have the Eli Mitchell injuries the last two years and uh, Mostert two years ago. Like, it is 
so frustrating. An offense that is built on the run never has a starting running back. <laughs> like, come on. Warren Sharp, before the year started, puts out his football preview, and one of the lines he had in the preview was, the last two years, over 33 regular season games, how many instances has there been, Levin, where QB one, running back one, tight end one, wide receiver one, and wide receiver two were healthy for the 49ers? Out of 33, I will say like five. One. <laughs> one where the starting offense, skill position player-wise, was healthy for the 49ers. And it's still won five games in because Kittle missed the first two and Mitchell's been out since. It's unbelievable. And guess what? That will be guaranteed to stay at one because Trey Lance isn't coming back. Right. It's wild to me. It is a little weird to me this year, too, that most of the injuries, knock on wood, seem to be centered just on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I mean, obviously losing Trey Lance. They lost Lance, they lost Mitchell. But Debo's been there, Ayuk's been there. The offensive line, except for Trent Williams, uh, you know what? I guess as I talk through it, it's not as as lopsided as I thought. You lost your quarterback, your running back, you uh, didn't have your tight end for two weeks, and you lost your best offensive lineman in the league. Yeah. I take it it back. It's not a lot of injuries (laughs) in terms of volume. But it's literally like the most important people in the offense, except for the wide receivers. That's true. You know, I was wrong on that one. As I as I started to talk through it, I was like, nope, <laughs> this is abort. Turn back now. Man. I mean, hopefully Mitchell comes back. It seems like Trent Williams is going to be back sooner rather than later. I know he was jogging before the game last week. Um, and I think you start to see, you saw a little bit more the cracks with Jalen Moore. I know he was okay against the Rams, but he got matched up with Brian Burns a couple of times last week and Burns put him on skates and he was able to get to Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of times. So you, you want Trent Williams back as soon as possible. Yeah. Like cold McKivitz. He was manageable. I think you could make do longer. Jalen Moore does not look like an NFL start. Certainly not starting, but at this point, like, I'm not even sure he's NFL quality at left tackle. Like he gets beat pretty consistently. And from what I've seen, you know, I'm not an expert on offensive line, but from what I've seen, a lot of it is just basic agility. Cause like Brian Burns burned him by faking going inside and then going outside. And Jalen Moore could not turn and adjust (laughs) nearly quick enough for that type of double move. That's a speed move. Now, Brian Burns is pretty good. He's he's a really really good player. Very quick. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, look, there's a reason he was picked where he was, and there's a reason he's a backup, you know, but hopefully we get Trent in there. You get Trent in there with Aaron Banks and Brendel, and they've been rotating Brunskill and Burford at right guard. You feel a lot better now about the offensive line than I did going into the season. Would you, Is that fair? I think you have to. Going into the season, I think we were both extremely worried. It was probably the, the thing we were worried about most. Because Banks was an unknown who didn't look particularly good in the preseason. Uh, Brendo was an unknown who took six years to become a starter. Like, yep. The likelihood of that working out is not great. And then you got a late round rookie at the other guard. So I, I think we were justified in being concerned. And the people are saying, you, there's nothing to worry about. These guys will be great. We're fanboying it up, being homers, because... 
that what we saw in the preseason wasn't great. Uh, what we saw in week one wasn't great. But then they've turned the corner. A couple more things to do before we go. We're going to get to the defensive nickname contest at the end. But this Odell Beckham Jr. stuff seems to be popping up again because there was a report that he might be ready to sign a contract next month. And people are starting to throw out names. The Packers, the Rams, of course, the Bills because of his friendship with Von Miller when they played last year together with the Rams and now Von's in Buffalo. And Jeremy Fowler also threw the Niners name in that ring. Uh, I put it to you, Evan. All it's going to take to sign Odell Beckham Jr. is money. Do you want him? What's the point? <laughs> like, literally, what would he do? Catch passes? Like, I, I understand he's good. He is certainly a good player. But I think he, the type of wide receiver he is, is the Ayuk role. I don't want him playing over Ayuk. I don't want him taking snaps from Ayuk. You're certainly not taking Debo off the field for him. So what's he going to do? Be the third fiddle in this offense? And you still have Kittle there? Like, he's not going to be happy with that. And he's definitely somebody that talks when he's not happy. So I, I think the risk versus reward there is not close. Like, there's very little reward. Certainly, he's a better third wide receiver option than Jennings. But Jennings has been just fine as a third wide receiver. You know, he's going to probably come in and be more of like coming out of the slot and trying to overload with three really good wide receivers out there with Ayuk and Debo and him. That's not that huge of a reward, in my opinion. We're not the type of offense that's going to see the benefit of having a dominant third wide receiver. We're not that type of pass-happy, great offense. And at the same time, there is risk because he is a loudmouth when things are not going well. And you think he's going to be happy with two catches a game? Because that's about all he's probably going to get in this offense. Well, that would be my worry is that they wouldn't get him the ball enough. But why don't you want him getting snaps over Ayuk? He's better than Ayuk. Coming off injury? No. And uh, Odell Beckham is not the same Odell Beckham from the Giants or early in his Cleveland. He's good, but he's not that dominant receiver anymore. I think Ayuk is better than him present day. I don't know. I'm starting my my opinion on Ayuk is starting to turn. I really thought that, you know, he was held back in this offense and he was really a lot better than he was showing. And it seems like now there have been multiple plays this season where Jimmy actually puts it up downfield and he doesn't come up with the ball. And it's like at some point, maybe I need to readjust my thinking. Maybe he's not as good as he as I think. Maybe this is who he is. He he's open plenty, so I, I he can get open really really well at a very high rate. I think in a more pass happy offense, certainly with a quarterback that is better at the deep ball, I think he would be putting up phenomenal numbers. I don't know, maybe I'm just saying I'm starting to question that take because I was right there with you. Now I'm starting to question it. Um, so we'll see how that goes. All right, you don't want OBJ human wet blanket. Okay, that's fine. Uh, all right. Let's get to the nickname contest. We asked for a nickname for this Niners defense because I think they're damn good and every damn good defense deserves a nickname. We threw it out on Twitter. Follow at NN Podcast. Follow at Homage. And we'll pick a winner and you can win a shirt. So I've got the candidates, Levin. I will I will designate the choosing to you. You have the power in this one. Are you ready? Yes, you're calling me He-Man. I get it. I literally was just thinking that. I swear <laughs> to God. I almost said, you have the power. Well done by you. All right. That's, that's a sign that we're spending too much time together. First one. Or at, that we're both kids of that era. That's true. 
at Swedebox suggested the Ragnarok defense because they're fast as lightning and they hit like a hammer. Not my favorite, kind of confusing, but I do like the name. When you have a team in your conference that is the Vikings, you can't really pick a Vikings reference. That's fair. Uh, at Char for Life says the Bash Brothers. Uh, I love the Mighty Ducks movie. It, it's not a two-man defense. True. I know Bash Brothers doesn't necessarily signify two people. It, but there were two in the it's movie. It's not terrible, but I, I just don't feel it for this defense. Right. Okay. These are my favorites now. At GH Tree says Alcatraz. The Alcatraz defense. I like that. I like it because it's a San Francisco reference without saying San Francisco or some sort of San Francisco pun. Plus the, the whole prison, you're locking people up, you're locking people down. Nobody ever escaped. I like that. That one's pretty good. I, I like it. I like I like I like what it signifies. I don't necessarily like how it sounds. Ooh, that's the Alcatraz defense. Like you have to really think about, it. oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's actually really good. You know, there's a pause there. That's why I like it. You got to use your brain. <laughs> Sorry, that's too taxing for you. We're talking about something that every single person is going to use. So uh, maybe not something you have to use your brain. And last one from at JCC49ers, Code Red. I do like that. Granted, it makes me think of a terrible soda flavor from Mountain Dew, <laughs> but I do like the code red defense. They wear the red jerseys. Again, it's a, it's a 49ers related thing without being too obvious about it. That's pretty good. Right. So that that's got to be referencing a few good men movie, uh, which is the, you can't handle the truth movie where they ordered a code red, which basically meant beat the crap out of somebody, but they did it so much that it killed the person. And that's what that spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert from a movie from, uh, what, 28 years ago? 1992. Uh, 30 92? years. I thought it was 94. I literally looked it up just before oh. we started. Well, there you go. Uh, so 30 years ago, I, I think it's okay to be spoilers. But, yeah, that's where it comes from, and uh, I, I think it's great because you can play that scene where Tom Cruise is demanding to Jack Nicholson, did you order the code red? That's great. That's a great rallying cry for defense. You know what I mean? Like you <laughs> That's can do that. true, right? They you can, can fire you can... that up. <laughs> when, when you do well on defense and you win the game, you can tell the, you know, you can smack talk the opposing team. You know, you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. That would be like, can you imagine? So right before the defense comes on the field, you know, in a tense situation where they really need to stop, they fire that on the jumbotron. Did you order the code run? You're goddamn right I did. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of things you could play off there, you know? Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Is that is that your winner? Yeah, I think that's my winner. All right, there we go. At JCC49ers, congratulations. We will track you down, hit you up, get all your information. You can pick your shirt. You can pick your size. Homage will send you a shirt. Enjoy it. Congratulations. The Code Red defense, fantastic. Now we just have to get it to catch on. We need yeah. to start like putting now, this dude, out Do you there. want to send us free stuff too for naming a code red? I'll accept. <laughs> All right. So congratulations, JCC 49ers. We need to get that to spread. Somehow I need to get that. I'm just going to start DMing random 49ers defensive players. Hey, call your defense code red. Yeah. Say it in the press conference. Come on. If that catches on, we deserve credit for that, I think. 
if that catches on, like that's probably like my greatest contribution ever <laughs> to this fan base. <laughs> hey, you know, that'd be pretty good, right? Like those defensive nicknames stick. We still talk about the purple people eaters, the orange crush, the doomsday defense. If no this fly sticks, zone of right. recent Legion of Boom, nobody knows where those nicknames came from. There is one more recent, sorry. Uh, there was Saxonville, which made me, I almost threw out to you the Sax Francisco defense, but I thought you can't play off the most recent defense to get a nickname. And it's like, it's kind of hard to say the Sax Francisco. It's like, yeah. mm, you need like, it's got to be quick like that. Code red, boom, easy to understand. Everybody gets it. It's snappy. That's a win. That's a good choice by you. You know, they can time. also do like that, you know, the, the red alarm strobe light going off and sound yep. an alarm on it. So many things can play off. Right. I think, yeah, I think the obvious connections are there. Um, So we'll get the shirt out to you. But if you didn't win a shirt, don't get discouraged. Like we said, you can go on their website, click on the link in the description. It'll take you right there. Go pick one up. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Hopefully you have not been disappointed by this episode. Please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We are so grateful for all your support. We are the fastest growing 49ers podcast on this planet. And that is due to you. And we are going to more than double our record downloads that we had last year. And we that is a credit to everybody out there that is supporting us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Still plenty more to come from Niners Nation. I actually sat down with Mike Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle yesterday. We had an extended conversation. You could download that podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. We got into a ton of stuff with the quarterbacks and that whole controversy. We still have the Gold Diggers podcast with Michelle Maju coming out tomorrow. And... We're going to have the crossover podcast on Saturday. Former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley is going to join me to take a look at the game this week. So that there's plenty more to come. We, we are your source. There is no need to go to anybody else. Forget those other Niners podcasts. We got you covered. And not to mention, not 49ers podcast, but SB Nation NFL show. I saw you talk to Kurt Warner. I did. I talked to Kurt this week. He and I had a nice chat. Have you he ever was... talked to him before? Uh, no, I've never interviewed him before. How many Hall of Famers have you talked to now? Do you keep track of that? Uh, well, I talked to Deion Sanders. So that's one. I talked to Jerry Rice. That's two. I talked to Kurt Warner. That's three. Um, I think Brian that's where Young. I'm at. Oh, Bryant Young. That's right. He wasn't a Hall of Famer when we talked to him, though. No, but he is now. Does that count? Sure. All right. I'm counting it. Screw it. Four. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. That's a pretty cool thing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I would have had some questions for Kurt. There's all kinds of things I'd love to. Football related, non-football related. I think he's a very interesting person, both on and off. He was willing to talk, man. I just texted him. And he was like, I can do it in 45 minutes. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. And uh, I mean, he kind of threw Jalen Hurts under the bus a little bit. He threw Justin Herbert under the bus. Um, he and he he was just and Russ, he killed Russ. I forgot about that. I mean, Russ kind of deserves it so far. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, if you want to go check that out, that's on the SB Nation NFL show as well. Look at you shouting out my other work. I'm not Here. even paid to get this. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks again, everybody. Remember, oh, you can also join us after the game. Eleven won't be there because you know he has this job thing that keeps getting in the way. But we'll still do the instant reaction podcast. We'll take your questions, your comments. There's always something good happening at Niners Nation. We make it worth your while. Eleven, I hope you have a fantastic week. See, I'm going to be nice today. Yeah, and you you pay attention to those comments because I might be uh, bored and chiming in in the comments just to mess with you. Yeah. Well, what else is new? All right, enjoy your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall.